Hey there everyone, Jesse Liebman here, back at it again with yet another episode of Bear Tracks, presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. The Spit and Chicklets crew has taken over New Amsterdam Vodka to create a spirit inspired by Ryan Whitney's favorite drink, award-winning New Amsterdam Vodka mixed with fresh pink lemonade. The result is an exceptionally smooth, great-tasting pink lemonade-flavored vodka. Take your shot with Pink Whitney, proud Solar Bears partner and presenting sponsor of this lovely podcast. It's episode 101. It's Thursday, August 11th, and we've got a good one for you. Uh, Just to catch you up on some news and updates for the team since episode 100 two weeks ago, Uh, but the signings have started to officially roll out for the Orlando Solar Bears. So, of course, you already knew Jimmy Mazza acquired via a future considerations trade with Adirondack. Uh, But then about two weeks ago, we had a nice little season ticket member event to reveal three of the first signings for the season. So back on that day was announced Andrew McLean, Tyler Bird, and Luke Boca. Followed that up with uh, the first new signing for the team, in Sean Sidlowski, who spent last year with the Fort Wayne Comets, a veteran forward, had a Kelly Cup championship with Fort Wayne in 2021. They defeated the South Carolina Stingrays in the best of five series. And Sidlowski, a prolific scorer and former ECHL MVP, great addition for him, bringing a veteran leadership and experience, as well as a scoring touch around the net. And between the between the dots, then you look at Luke McKinnis, defenseman back for his third year in Orlando after a breakout sophomore season. Ross Olson coming back as well, announced earlier this week. And then, of course, yesterday afternoon, the signing of Brad Barone. And, man, talk about a big breakout season. We mentioned McKinnis, and that doesn't even scratch the surface when you look at what Barone did. Journeyman goaltender at the age of 30, and setting career highs in a number of statistical categories, games played, minutes played, saves, wins, save percentage at the ECHL level, setting a number of team records in the process, finishing first in save percentage with a 919 in the entire ECHL among qualified goaltenders last season. Uh, man, everyone, of course, here knows Bones if you're a Solar Bears fan. And if you don't, well, make sure you've got a ticket and sit back and just watch the man work in the crease and between the pipes. But uh, Matt Karkner has been hard at work uh, inking guys to deals for this season, and it looks like there's a solid returning core. There's still plenty of players to be announced. Keep that in mind as we roll these out over over the summer. Uh, looking elsewhere in the ECHL, uh, of note, the Savannah Ghost Pirates announced their first-ever signing, And that'll be a team the Solar Bears play a handful of times. A new entry into the ECHL in the South Division this year, playing up at End Market Arena. Just uh, on the coastline, up I-95, halfway between Jacksonville and North Charleston, where the Stingrays play. So that'll be a good opponent. That'll probably be a day trip for the Solar Bears. So a good opportunity for Solar Bears fans to maybe catch a road game and check out a new team this year. But of course... Earlier in the week, Darian Hansen announced a goaltender who played some time in college at both Union, where uh, his coach then 
was Rick Bennett, who is the current Ghost Pirates head coach via the Vegas Golden Knights affiliation. And then, of course, uh, also played at UConn last year before turning pro with the Reading Royals. So uh, a couple of goalie announcements within the ECHL this week, uh, specifically within the South Division. So should be some interesting developments over the next several weeks. But that being said, we'll flip it over to this week's guest, Nicholas Lindbergh. Our guest on this week's episode of Bear Tracks, presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka, joined the Orlando Solar Bears midway through the 2015-16 season in what would ultimately be his final season in professional hockey. During that time, he put up 22 points in 37 games as Orlando chased a furious playoff spot down the stretch. Since his playing career wrapped up, he is now settled down in Florida in the Sunshine State on the Gulf Coast, where he now has started his latest venture in coaching and skills development at the Nest Hockey Academy. It's my pleasure to welcome Nicholas Lindbergh to the Bear Tracks podcast. Nick, how you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we'll kind of bounce around uh, some some different topics here. But of course, uh, for Solar Bears fans that uh, got to see you play during your, your final season in pro hockey, 2015-16, you played in North America for uh, almost a, a little over a decade, starting back in 2004-05 with the Pensacola Ice Pilots of the ECHL. That's now a Southern Professional Hockey League market. Uh, but prior to that, you're, you're from Sweden originally. So I guess we'll, we'll start at the beginning uh, where I, I understand you were born in Stockholm, but where where did you grow up when you were in Sweden? What was your home life like and how did you get into hockey? Uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, Stockholm or, you know, suburbs, just 50 minutes outside of, of the city. And, uh, you know, uh, my older brother played and uh, I think we started, you know, like floorball at, you know, some people might know floorball, a little wiffle ball and the sticks. Like me and my brother would play it. And uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, the only the only reason, like we had the one door was the net always. We'd play at home. And, and the only way for me to get out of the net was if I saved it and then to stay out, I had to score. So like, you know, he was seven years older than me and he'd take it easy on me. But uh, uh, just, you know, in Sweden, you, you it's hockey and soccer pretty much uh, for most kids. And Started skating maybe when I was three, but I don't think I started playing till I was about seven and uh, then just fell in love with the game and just played every day. I mean, uh, growing up, like, you know, you practice a little more than than here. Now I live in Tampa, Florida, but uh, uh, I mean, I was on the ice five or six days a week. And if you weren't on the ice, it was, uh, you know, big games on the cul-de-sac and with the other neighbors. So like for me, it was just hockey uh, all the time. So I played in Sweden, um, you know, uh, with the U Gordon and uh, a Stockholm team. Played there. It's a little different too. Like there, let's say you would have the Lightning, and and Lightning is like connected all the way down to the Mites. It's one big organization. So I played in that organization uh, up through junior. I was with the Elite League team. Um, they so were really very good similar at the to time. very similar to like a youth academy <clears throat> with like a soccer team. I think a, a, a lot. Yeah, of, pretty much. Yeah, identity. yeah. So. Yeah, so it's like it's different where they are connected the whole way, and uh, you know they were the you know big team. They were they were really good. They were winning, uh, I think, two years in a row. They pretty much I think they swept the regular season. So um, it was uh, it was really good. Like uh, I get to be with them, and then the junior team uh, up and down, and then I played in the second league in Sweden. Um, 
but I've always wanted to to play over uh, in in the U.S. and I wanted to try to play over there. And then um, I had a there was a um, one of the pro scouts for the New Jersey Devils, uh, Jan Ludwig. He uh, he helped me come over. He was uh, uh, invited me to gonna invite me to their camp. And then lockout happened, and um, I ended up playing in uh, in Pensacola that year, which was uh, you know uh, different. You know, like <laughs> you live in. Florida playing hockey, you live on a, on a beach pretty much and playing. So, but, uh, you know, uh, it was great. I loved it. And then ended up playing over here, uh, you know, a long time. Um, um, had some offers to go back to Europe and, but ended up staying here and, uh, yeah, ended, uh, fast forward in, uh, in Orlando. So, you know, with your, your time starting out coming over to North America, I imagine there there probably was some adjustments. You played in Pensacola, which, if I'm not mistaken, the arena is like literally steps from the beach. Uh, and you played down there in the Gulf Coast during kind of a different era for the ECHL when a number of teams were kind of along the I-10 corridor kind of going out from maybe a little bit before your time, but you had teams in Tallahassee, Mobile, Louisiana, mm-hmm. all the way out to, uh, to, uh, Beaumont, Texas with the Wildcatters. Yeah. So there were I mean, a couple of those teams around. Yeah. So, that. so what was the, the lifestyle in the ECHL back then? And, and I know that that area was impacted pretty significantly by hurricane Katrina. In some cases, some teams had to, had to go on a hiatus for a couple of years while while they were waiting for their arenas to be repaired. Yeah, I remember actually flying into there and uh, <laughs> I remember coming in to land and I was like, wow, it's so cool. Like everybody really has a pool here. And as we got closer to the ground, it was in a pool. Everybody had a blue tarp on the roof because the hurricane had just hit. Uh, so I was like, wow, literally every house is a pool. Um, so Actually, what happened that first year, we were supposed to live on the beach in, you know, these condos and um, the hurricane had pretty much wiped out the whole beach. So the beach was shut down for the first, I think, six months. So we ended up staying for training camp and probably a good month or two in Biloxi living at the casino. Uh, so, yeah, imagine a, a team of hockey players living in the casino like i mean you go eat the buffet and then uh <laughs> practice and then you know um a lot of blackjack <laughs> but uh yeah it was different yeah there were a few there were a few teams uh back then on that i i10 corridor there were uh the biloxi in mississippi it was uh uh i think it was the seawolves right? the, yeah and then there was uh the louisiana the ice skaters well, ice gators there was uh i believe there was a shreve shreveport i think they were, uh, i think there were a central league team though at that at that time i don't think they, maybe they yeah maybe the and then there was the, the Tex texas uh wildcatters and mm-hmm. then you know and then uh, it was all the way down to uh everblades they were around so um yeah it was uh it was definitely different you know coming there uh playing and Shorts and flip flops through rink, but uh, it was great. You know, it was a fun experience. It was a different. It was a very different style of hockey too uh, back then. You know, compared to what it is today. I mean, the whole game of hockey, I feel like has changed. You know, uh, if you look at all the way up to NHL, which I think is is great for the sport, just made it more fun. 
How did you, as a player that, at least from, from what I was able to observe in, in your time here in Orlando, you were a guy that was more skill-oriented, very cerebral in your on-ice play. And how, how did you manage to, as you said, the ECHL back then was was very different. I, I think it'd be safe to say kind of a rough-and-tumble league at that time. Uh, who 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 kind of took you under their wing during those first couple of years in Pensacola and, and kind of showed you the ropes? Uh, I mean, we had a really good team with the lockout year. I think, you know, <clears throat> we had a lot of guys that I think I was the only guy that wasn't on a almost NHL deal. Like, I mean, there were, you know, there were a couple more guys, but there were a lot of guys because of the trickle down. Uh, we had guys that played in the NHL the year before. We had a, we had a really good team. I think, um, I believe we set a record at the time for most wins. Um, we had a ton of wins and, uh, uh, but we had a really good team, really good group. There were a lot of good guys. Uh, I mean, uh, I was, uh, you know, skilled, more playmaker. And, uh, um, you know, it was a little adjustment the first year, getting used to it. I mean, but there were definitely were there were definitely were some big, tough guys, too, in the league. But, I mean, they, they didn't really bother me. I think, uh, you know, it's very different from from Europe too in Sweden, like in Sweden, if you, if you get in a fight, you're kicked off for the game, you might get suspended one game where you come over here, you can, you can fight and you get back in. So that's, you know, you don't have as much of that. And the, the rinks are bigger in Europe where, you know, the Olympic sheets, you kind of have to go out of your way. There's body contact, but not as much. Um, so, you know, it, it was a little different, but, uh, but uh, I really liked it. It was a, it was a great, great year. Uh, your career eventually had a brief stop in Bakersfield, <clears throat> California. It seemed like in the early stages of your your North American pro career, you were just kind of playing in a lot of warm weather hockey markets. Uh, then you made your way to you made your way to the Central League, playing for Corpus Christi for parts of two seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, a, a town where the the rink is, if I'm not mistaken, like blocks mere steps from the beach. Uh, you know, so what was it like going from the ECHL to what was at the time a competing entity in the Central Hockey League? Uh, it was uh, actually the the guy that was uh, uh, Matt Turek, I believe it was. He he was a captain of my team the year before, and he went there and and um, didn't really. I I went to Bakersfield for a little bit, and I didn't uh, uh, didn't wasn't a good fit I feel like for my style of playing the way the coach wanted to play uh uh you know it was it was it wasn't really what fit me so I just felt like hey this is not a good situation and and um then the the Matt reached out to me he's like hey I'm here you know we'd love if you came here so so I ended up there, you know, kind of deal. And then, um, yeah, I thought that league, that league was really good too. I mean, it was just as, uh, I thought it was just as competitive as the other league. You know, there was, I know there was a big rivalry of which league's better this and that, but uh, it was a really good league. And uh, again, you know, really good group of guys playing with. And uh, and then again, ended up in warm weather somehow. So uh, <laughs> close to the beach. So. And- yeah. And then you then you kind of ultimately uh moved a little bit further north after two years in, in Corpus. You went to the Port Huron Ice Hawks in what was at the time the the rebooted International Hockey League. You led your team in scoring your first year there with 81 points in 75 games. You played under Stan Julia, a former 
uh, Tampa Bay Lightning player at one time, uh, longtime mm-hmm. IHL all-star in his playing days, uh, former head coach in the ECHL and, and assistant in the American Hockey League with Milwaukee. Uh, what was it like playing for Stan up in, in Port Huron? Stan was great. Uh, I mean, he, I thought he was a great coach. He, he was, uh, you know, you played a lot of games. And uh, the one thing I remember was that, like, our practices were, were very short because, which, you know, like, he believed in, like, hey, we got to be fresh. We, again, had a really good team. And, uh, you know, our practice was short, maybe, like, structure short, but then guys would stay and do extra stuff anyway. So, uh no, I thought Stan was good. It was a great ownership up there. Um, you know, a lot of fun. We had a couple of, uh, I think, you know, Brian Spolinski joined us because he was just leaving the NHL and came and joined us. Um, you know, played with a lot of a lot of good players there. So it was a lot of fun. Should have also pointed out, uh, I'm not doing Stan justice here, it was also in his first year as a head coach in any level of pro hockey. He was actually coaching here in Orlando, and he he won an uh, Atlanta Coast Hockey League championship with the Orlando Seals in 0203. so we got to give a oh, little wow. shout-out there. I but, didn't know that, yeah. I um, didn't know that. But in, in any case, I mean, we're, we're kind of uh, – you know, just going down chronologically from Port Huron, you, you transferred to Evansville, uh, which started in the the Central Hockey League at the Double A level, and then they kind of moved into the ECHL the year after you had left. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, I, I know that there was kind of a, a transitional period for the team as well when they were in their final two years in the Central, going from Swander Ice Arena to the Ford Center. So, like, if you can describe <laughs> what was that like because i, uh, I know is it, it the was, out uh, is it the outhouse to the penthouse basically yeah pretty much it was uh i guess uh um you know the coach called me and i uh, you know i ended up deciding to go there and i believe the arena was supposed to be done and you know a lot of building happens right like uh, it was delayed and so we had to play in this really you know for a really really tiny rink and uh and then for the next year, go to a brand new facility, you know, eight or nine thousand seater that was, you know, beautiful. So yeah, that was that was an adjustment. I I can't remember if we at the end of the first year, if it was just the second year, we got into the new arena finally. But it was it was a very very nice arena. So um, you know, it was it was a it was the transition for sure. You know, it would almost be like well, a little bit bigger than RDV, but uh, go imagine going from RDV to to uh Amway you know almost so so in that time I know while you were in Evansville you also played with another another former solar baron Mike Scroy who of course had a pretty uh lengthy career as a as an enforcer in the in the minor leagues uh what Scroisy stories are you able to share with us here <laughs> oh I don't know what I can share no I'm just kidding but uh that was funny you know me and Mike are great friends still to this day I saw him uh a week ago or so his son was uh, up here playing in a tournament and uh, we were actually sitting next to each other in the, in the locker room. So, you know, we, we, uh, we uh, had a lot of stories, but uh, you know, Mike, I love him. You know, he's a, uh, you know, he's a good player too. And, and, but he was a tough guy, right. Enforcer. So <clears throat> maybe not the best uh, soccer player, you know, we would play warm up for uh two touch warm up for every game. And, you know, he would come out there and then, you know, every time he touched the ball, like, sorry, Mike, but uh, I felt like, you know, he got stuck in the in the rafters because, you know, you're always warming up underneath the, you know, the 
the stance or whatever and even get stuck up in the pipes and every time it was like oh these freaking shoes man like <laughs> and then the soccer game was over but uh no like uh mike's awesome mike's great everybody loved him you know like he uh you know another good story is really funny like you know he he it was great to have mike on your team you know because when you're um like more of a skilled player like guys will get after you but if you have a guy like mike i remember one time playing you know, I'm skating up the ice with the puck and somebody gave me a whack, you know, probably on the pants. It wasn't, wasn't much. I didn't really think about it. And then I remember crazy, you know, explicit words, just standing up and yelling at the guy, if you do that, I'll bleep, you know, you rip your freaking head off. And <laughs> the next face off the guy, I'm about to take the face off. He was the center too. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm really sorry about that slash. I was like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm sorry. I slashed you when you had the puck. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was great, you know. Uh, you know, that guy didn't touch me again the rest of the game. So it was fun. <clears throat> Definitely helps to have someone in your corner for sure. Definitely. So as you kind of progressed, you know, your, your time in the, in the central league, uh, you kind of moved on to Bloomington, uh, and then St. Charles, uh, which, you know, <laughs> was an interesting team. They were the relocated franchise, I think from, uh, from Laredo, Texas, but they only kind of existed for, for one year that year. However, you were teammates with, uh, who would be your eventual assistant coach in Orlando, John Snowden. Uh, so I'm, I'm, what stories can you maybe perhaps share of uh, of Snowy as well? Because he's certainly got a personality uh, to uh, all of his own, and and now of course he's uh, he's in the American Hockey League as an assistant with the Toronto Marlies. Yeah, Snowy, and it's actually funny. Like my first year in Pensacola, Snowy I believe he played for the Texas Wildcatters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we played against each other. We got to know each other then. Uh, both very competitive on the ice. We we're probably going after each other a little bit, and then. Uh, you know, and then years later, uh, hockey is such a small world, right? So, uh, we get to, um, you know, used to, we play together <clears throat> and I mean, he's great. Uh, he was awesome. Uh, you know, he's, uh, always been very competitive, good leader in the locker room. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great, you know, like Snowy was, a, he could shoot the puck, like he could shoot the puck. Like, I mean, um. Power play, we would, you know, we would set up. I would, you know, let's say the umbrella, I would be on the on the right flank and he would be on the left flank. Like, it was like having Stamkos or or, or uh, Ovi over there. I mean, like, I would feed him the puck and, you know, half the time it was in the back of the net. Like, he could shoot. So, he was like, I'll just find open space. You know, I'm like, I'll find you. So, <clears throat> it was great um, playing with him. I loved him. And, uh, you know, his, his wife and his family now, they live up in the uh, – Toronto man he's I saw the other day his boys are getting big they're playing hockey too so um you know it was really fun and then snowy then a couple years later that was actually the reason I ended up there you know he called me and um you know brought me into Orlando so um um you know and you know I think he's uh it's been very good for him like obviously he's very good coach and showed it like you know coaching here and then coached uh up in uh, Newfoundland won the championship and so very deservingly very happy for him of his uh, success as a coach you know after the playing i meant to ask uh, while we were talking about scroisey uh i i've heard over the years he's kind of developed a reputation as a ruthless poker player is there any uh any stories that you can share of that from maybe time on the bus or or anything <laughs> yeah i mean uh 
I don't think he was in the win category that often. Maybe a little bit. Like, but I, I think uh, they were poker sometimes on the bus. You know, like, uh, you know, we would have the bus. And there was a big room in the back. You know, they would have a big poker game. And uh, But a lot of times there were other other games played. Uh, I um, I don't know. Like, yeah, we, I remember we played some poker. I don't know if uh, he always ended up lucking out that much. I think we, we played, you know, Schnarples or a bunch of other games still. But like anything, anything to make time go by. So, um, yeah, can't remember. So Schnarples is actually, I'm glad you brought that up because Schnarples is a game that I was taught once years ago by Chris Francis at the time he was the with the Las Vegas Wranglers. I've immediately forgotten it, but to explain, if you can, it's, from what I remember, kind of a complicated game to, to <clears throat> learn, but like once you learn, you do pick it up relatively quick. But for, yeah. for fans listening at home, if you can explain what Schnarples might be. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know what? I haven't played it in years either. Now I think I, don't, I probably haven't played it since, you know, like I've played, uh, but I mean, I can't remember exactly. I would probably need a river little refresher too to play it again. But in the end, it was, you know, everybody has their own and you're trying to uh, kind of say how many, um, how many points or whatever ticks you're going to get. You get the help like, 10 cards it goes down to one up to 10 and then it go you have to say how many you're going to take and then in the end if somebody goes all spades and wins every one they automatically win the game so then everybody's trying to gang up on that guy soon somebody's about to win you know you gang up on that guy so in the end it's like depending on how much you play per point like it could tally up because the guy that wins wins from every guy in the game so you know there's only one winner so it could be some big games right uh on a, on a long road trip so it was, it was a really fun game, you know, like, uh, you know, obviously uh, very intense sometimes with some guys, but, uh, you know, it was fun. Uh, was... You know, everything is gamble. I remember, too, like talking about gambling, you know, like guys, you know, you go on the road and you go to dinner and guys want to do the credit card game for who's picking up the tab. And I remember one road trip. Oh, man, this guy. Forget where we were, but. I mean, we're on the road trip for like two weeks. <clears throat> I think he lost six or seven dinners in a row. Like in the end, oh like, you know, like <laughs> he's like, I can't lose again. No way I'm losing again. I'm like, just cut your losses. You're like, don't, don't get in. But I mean, we all, we all chipped in and, and helped them out at the end. But it was like, my gosh, six or seven dinners in a row with six or seven guys going, you know, that adds up. But, uh, well, speaking of the credit card game, because doubling back to, to your rookie year during the the lockout year in in 0405 you have a lot of NHL guys playing down in the American League you have a lot of American League guys going down you know to the ECHL and the Central League as a, as a result uh how how much did some of those more experienced guys that that were had bigger contracts in previous years how generous were they in kind of uh, accommodating a lot of the guys that maybe felt the the pinch of of possibly you know the, the roster spot might not necessarily get, be guaranteed for for the next couple of months while while these guys are down here uh, I think, you know, all the guys are great that I played with, uh, you know, they were all great guys. Like, I mean, you played with, you know, and, and I played with a lot of guys, obviously, through my career and, you know, some young guys that also the same way they came down and they've signed their max deals and everything they can. And you almost have to be like, hey, listen, like, slow it down. You got to make sure they are living like it's going to be like this forever. So you kind of had to 
almost help them out be like listen you can't you don't need to go out to spend blow your money on everything you see right you got to make sure you make it before you know like spending this kind of money you're not in an hl yeah you signed you signed your your you know a big deal for a three-year deal but hey so you know but otherwise the other way around like you know we guys have played with that were awesome you know like um like Brian Smolinski, you know, we'd go to, he's always, he had a 20 year career in NHL and we'd go out on the road and like, he would pick up the tab for everybody, which, you know, you know, like this super classy guy. So uh, ultimately kind of jumping back to, to at the time, the present you joining Orlando in 15, 16 uh, snowy, of course, uh, that relationship there, he was able to kind of recruit and bring you on, uh, midway through the season, as we said, you got into, I think, about 37 games during your, your final year in Orlando. Um, what, you know, how did that year go for you? Where did you feel you were in your in in your career where you knew it was time to maybe consider hanging up the skates once the season was done? Uh, what 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 do you remember most from that being your your most recent and final season in pro hockey? Um. I remember, you know, Orlando was a great place, you know, and a great organization. I thought we, you know, we got treated really well. Uh, I mean, uh, great facility, amazing fans. You know, the ownership group was awesome. Um, the team was a great group of guys. I think, uh, you know, in uh, back in nice weather again, you know, like oh, it was uh it was a it was a nice situation. I think, uh, you know, like. I love the game. Like it's always very hard when you're like, Hey, still want to play. I want to give up or like do something else. Uh, you know, my, uh, my wife, my now wife, um, got pregnant at the, right at the end, at the end of the season. And, uh, we, uh, her parents had actually recently just moved to Sarasota. And then I knew some, some people over in Tampa and, and then, you know, kind of came over there and, I uh, I knew I wanted to get into, you know, player development and, uh, you know, trying to do that way. And uh, kind of in the end, like, you know, everything I've learned over my career or figured out on my own or learned from, you know, great coaches and teammates and experience, like, you know, want to help and give that back to, to younger players. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's amazing. Like, you know, you always say, right, like, hey, I wish I knew back then what I know now, but. You know, that's what a lot of these kids that are, you know, nine or 10 years old, they like get all that knowledge to them right now. Uh, and the game is so different. You know, it's uh, like growing up, like there were in Sweden, there were no skills coaches. You can go do a skills coach. You had to kind of do stuff on your own. Like, I mean, we practice a lot, but, you you know, you had to figure it out. Like, it's funny, too. We, I was talking to somebody the other day about shooting. Like, you're little, you're like, hey. Uh, you got to learn how to shoot. It's like, okay, well, how do you shoot? Like, bang, do this. I'm like, well, what do I just do? Like, compare compare that to, you know, you just went and figured it out on your own. And then you learned and then you evolved, right? Like, I mean, now it's like, compare that to golf, where it's like, hey, your thumb needs to be there. Your elbow, your shoulder, you know, tilt this, right? Where now hockey's getting so complex. I feel like at the same time, I've become even better since I started doing a lot of training because you can think more about the mechanics and, and everything or the IQ of the game. And I think, uh, I think that's a big thing uh, that I always want to try to teach the, the why, uh, and like, not just like, Hey, we're doing the skill, be like, why are we doing it? What are you doing? Like, okay, what's the demon thinking? What's the goalie thinking? How are he thinks he's got us? And 
what are we doing? Like we're really manipulating him. We want him to do this so we can do that. Like and get players to understand like the game because that's what I think is separates players in the end. Like you have to get that skill. Like I think Kucherov is one of my favorite players. I think he's so smart. You look at him; he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, not the fastest, but like he's just so smart. Like he sees the game and the little plays he does. Like I say, sometimes he plays the game in 3D with some players playing in 2D, you know, like you can be super fast, you can super skill, you can have really good hands or shoot hard. But if you don't know how to create time and space for yourself or where to be, like you're going to eventually hit the ceiling if it's junior or college or, you know, like it's hard. Like there are guys that are really smart. They can, they can play anywhere and then, you know, play up. So, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's my goal now. Try to, you know, help players reach their kind of like dreams or goals in hockey and try to help them get as far as they can. Um, so, yeah. As you said, uh, Holly's parents kind of moved down to Sarasota. You guys settled on the Gulf coast, uh, after your playing career wrapped. So, so if you can, over the, the last couple of years, as we've talked a little bit about skills development, what was kind of the the career progression for you? How did you actually get into it? Who was kind of your, who was able to bring you into that network? I, I know for a while you were uh, at Advent Health Center Ice. Uh, I know you have your own Swedish hockey skills uh, program as well in, uh, on top of that. And then, of course, you've you've recently made the move to the Nest Hockey Academy. So what was kind of the progression there uh, that led you to 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 where you are today? Uh, well, we moved over to Tampa. Uh, I knew some uh, some people over here that, you know, got me involved in, in uh, you know, training and then uh, youth hockey, uh, started coaching in youth hockey. Uh, and then after right away, the new the new facility, Advent Health, opened up. Uh, it's like just right here tampa uh beautiful facility um you know i think it's one of the the bigger ice sheets in in the southeast um so i worked there as a hockey director for uh about five years running the youth program and and hockey and but also did a lot of you know player development skills training and um you know, like, uh, we love Tampa. Tampa is, uh, wow, is really, I mean, Florida overall, too, is blowing up as a hockey market. I mean, you have, uh, you know, the Panthers are doing well now, but the Lightning, they're doing such an amazing job in the community. You know, they're out in schools. They're really promoting the game. And then, you know, winning two Stanley Cups definitely helps. You know, like, everybody wants to play hockey here now. So, I mean, uh, you know, that's great. Um um, so, you know, work there and then, um, yeah, like you said, I have my Swedish hockey skills, <clears throat> which do training with anywhere from youth to guys in the, at the pro levels. Um, and, um, so we do that and every year we go back to Sweden, I do a camp in Sweden and, you know, we stay and visit some family and friends too at the same time. So, and then, yeah, now, like I said, it just recently, uh, moved over to, to Nest Hockey Academy. So, uh. Um, something I'm really excited about. I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, it's, um, you know, the owner, he, he has a son that plays and, um, but you know, I really like his purpose or, or vision with the reason of building this. Like, you know, he said this and yeah, my son plays hockey, but I'm not building this for him. You know, it's for the bigger reason. If he quit tomorrow, that's fine. Like, that's not why I'm building this. And, you know, he put a lot of his own money into building this and, and at the same time, he's like, listen, I'm not building this to make money. Uh, you know, of course, 
somewhere down the line, I would love to make my money back, but you know, that's not the priority. Now the, the priority of this is to, you know, just grow youth hockey and, and do a really good job of, uh, of the foundation of that. And, uh, Again, leads back. We talked before we get on Zoom. Like, you know, like I really think that if you just do something, you focus on quality, 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 and you just try to make the best product possible. I mean, everybody will want your product, you know, and it, and it will turn out good in the way. So I really feel like uh, we have a really good setup here. Like the, he spent a lot of money on the on the school making making sure the school uh, they made their own custom curriculum. Uh, and then the hockey part is always going to be very, very good. So I'm super excited about, um, I think this is going to be something very, very good for, for players to be able to develop. And in the end, I think this is going to be a place to where, you know, you'll see people coming from, from all over North America and maybe even the, the world. Like we have some, we have international interest to come in here. So I think it's going to be really, really good for, uh, for players, you know, like, uh, you know, one thing like moving here since I've been here five, six years, I've seen, you know, like as players get older, they all like, hey, all right, you got to a certain level. Like now it's time to go up north. And, you know, like I don't think anybody wants to send their kid away when they're 14, 15. You know, you see families that do it. It's very hard, right? Like either have the mom or the dad move away with the, with the player. Well, if you have another kid, you're splitting your family up. That's not good. Or you're sending your kid away when they're 14, 15. And now, you got to, you know, they still have a lot to, to learn and, and, and grow up. Now you're putting them in the hands of somebody else and do they have the same values or, you know, in the end, nobody cares about your kid as much as you do. So that's very tough. I mean, uh, but I, I feel like it's growing so much here in Florida that, uh, you know, at, and in the end, I think um, players are going to be able to, to stay here and not have to leave. And, and in the end, I think you'll see players coming here because it's such a nice setup and, and, and then the whole hockey is going to be so good. So, you know, that's my son is obviously a little younger. He, I don't have that, that problem. He's just starting his, his hockey playing journey. But, uh, you know, like by the time he gets a little older, you know, I think hockey in Florida is going to be so good that nobody would have to leave. Um, I mean, you already actually seen it with, um, Nate Smith that, uh, you know, he, he, he was a Tampa player that, you know, uh, I've trained some and, you know, he uh, played for the U.S. Olympic team, played college, and then he ended up finishing the season with the, with the Coyotes, which was uh, the Coyotes. Yeah, Coyotes. So that was pretty cool. As someone, we talked a little bit earlier, <laughs> you growing up in in, St in Stockholm, playing for the Jurgarden youth youth program, and kind of going up through through that, and and we talked about how it's very similar to here in the states and, and elsewhere around the globe, where within soccer you have these youth academies that kind of build players up, and, and eventually they're able to join their hometown team. Do you ever think that we'll see a similar model develop within North America with respect to hockey? And Or, or is it something that you would like to see? Do you think it's even logistically possible? It's pretty cool. I think, you know, it's just different here where uh, you have the draft, like, you know, over in Sweden or other countries, you don't, players don't get drafted to their teams. So we're here, players get drafted, so, you know, teams have their rights. So I don't think I think that will stay, and we won't really see that uh, so much. But uh, you know, like in Sweden, you grow up, you play, you're a good junior player. You know, now they have a lot of like you know uh, hockey kind of schools that kids go to, like kind of like an academy, right? And then they go play for you know those different junior teams or the or the SHL teams, and um, 
So, you know, you kind of more free agent to go kind of where you want, where over here player gets drafted and, you know, they, they're going to that team. But uh, I think it's, it's good, you know, like you, uh, it's good both ways. Um, I think, you know, for Sweden, it was obviously very fortunate. It's also very different where <laughs> in Sweden and, you know, a lot of up north places or Canada, I mean, you can go up 10, 15 minutes any direction, you hit a rink. Uh, no matter where you are, we're here. Tampa's growing and, and we're getting, uh, it's growing a lot here, but, you know, it's so different here. Like I remember growing up, like, we had to drive 35 minutes to, to a game and I'm like, man, well, we'd never have to drive here again. It was so far. We're here. Like, you know, the youth players will, they'll drive to from Tampa to Miami, play two games and drive home the same day. And that's like, you know, almost a four hour trip, which is, you know, that would be crazy for anybody in Sweden to ever do. But, uh, you know, it's what, what people do to, to play hockey, but it's growing so much here that, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I know outside of hockey, you kind of, uh, you dabbled a little bit. Well, but actually, before we get to that, I mean, sticking <clears throat> sticking with the hockey and the skills, you you talked about some of the about not just skills development with youth players, but also as high as pro level players. Who are some of the players that you've worked with? Uh, I know before we we started uh, recording, you kind of mentioned a little bit of of uh, experience with the Harvard men's hockey team. Uh, so if you can kind of uh, elaborate and share that, uh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so we had during lockout, like uh, the Ivy League, I guess, was the only league that said, hey, we're shutting down for the season. We're done. Where some of the other college divisions said, hey, we're, we're temporarily shutting down. But I guess the Ivy League's like, hey, we're completely done. So had uh, pretty much the whole Harvard team and Dartmouth and Brown guys came down here for, I think it started off. Uh, to be, they were supposed to come here for like six weeks and, you know, ended up extending it. So some guys stayed here for 10 weeks, but they came down, they stayed at a, you know, a little uh, golf resort here in the area, close to the rink. They would come in every morning, do on ice, they would do off ice, and then they would go back to online schooling. So, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, it's obviously a lot of fun to, to, train and or you know help out with the, the higher level because you can do more advanced stuff they and you know it was really fun like and there were a couple of guys that that uh came in a week or two later that had just won the the world juniors for you know the the olympic team and some really you know big draft players and it's really fun to see that level guys they're so serious but they're also like sponges you know like they want to learn as much as they can they were like hey can you stay extra hey can you video me hey can you can you come out tomorrow on our free skate? It's open. Like where we just have open ice. Can you come out and like, show me some more stuff? Can we, can you help me? Like they, you know, they just want to get better and try to get to the next level. Like, you know, they're, there's, they're, that's a really good, uh, you know, level of, of players there. Um, so that was really fun. Got to work with them. I get to help out with, um, uh, uh, Belfry had a camp here a couple of years ago where he had, you know, about 20, 20 guys, you know, like Matthews, Kane, Patrick Kane, Giroux, McAvoy, you know, the Brinkhead, you know, to name a few. Uh, well, that was really fun to, you know, uh, help out with that. And then, you know, like a guy like Matthews, <clears throat> getting off topic, but like his release is unbelievable. Like what impressed me seeing him like three, four years ago was, you know, his shot was uh, amazing. The way you can change the angle on the shot, like, you know, you have a, a, a – this was like a preseason before guys go to their main camps. And, you know, these are the, some of the best players in the world. And, you know, some guys shoot 
Sometimes they score. Sometimes they hit the goalie. Sometimes they miss the net. Matthews, I swear to God, it was nine out of ten times the puck is in the back of the net. Like it was unbelievable, and that I was like, this guy's going to be top scorer in the NHL one day. And then you know, last season he put up sixty. So you know, <clears throat> it's amazing to see to me, and it's really fun to you know work with that level of players. Um, I've also got to help out a little bit with the Lightning. Uh, with their camp in um, a couple of years ago before, and then COVID happened and then we're a bunch of restrictions. Um, so, you know, that's, that's in the end, the, where I probably would like to end up uh, helping out the highest level and, and working with those guys. And, you know, it's really fun to, to work at that level again, to, you know, work with the best and, and, you know, help, help make better. Like, I mean, no matter where you are in your career, you, you always get to improve and get better because, the day you think you got it all then somebody will pass you so you know like I noticed that too you know in my career like just because you play at a certain level you played certain amount of years you always learn right and the game's evolving just look at NHL how it's gone we're back in the day it was you know gladiators on ice and now it's you, you know you have smaller guys that are super fast super skilled you know and and really really smart players and the game is, you know, so much more fun to watch, I think, you know, now that the game is the way it is. So, uh, you know, the, you know, the little recap of, uh, you know, some of the stuff I've done since uh, quit playing. Outside of hockey, uh, I, I know, you know, during your time here in Orlando, you kind of dabbled in some some web design away from the rink. You, you've obvi- you're obviously juggling the responsibilities of parenthood now with two kids. <laughs> Uh, what, what, what do you do in your downtime or, or what have you found to, to be the most fulfilling, uh, thing outside of hockey in these last couple of years since, uh, hanging up the skates? Uh, you know, that was just, I was playing around. I've always been interested, you know, I like to have, uh, you know, background and always been interested in IT entrepreneurship. You know, I'm, uh, I'm interested in a lot of that stuff. I'm interested in uh, real estate, you know, but, uh, takes a lot of time, uh, you know, the time I have off pretty much spend with the family, you know, the kids, um, they're growing up fast, you know, they're, uh, three and five now. So, uh, go, can't believe it. You know, it's, it's so fast, but, uh, so, you know, usually time off, just spend time with the family and, um, you know, go watch a lightning game or, you know, uh, I mean, uh, it's a lot of hockey. Uh, with your your kids being born here in the states, uh, I know you said that during the summers you try to go back to Sweden and probably I would imagine visit some of your your side of the family. Uh, how, how much of a connection do you feel your kids have to to their Swedish heritage, or are they just died in the wool Americans? No, they do. They're I mean they're dual citizenship. Uh, they have a dual citizenship, both of them, and I actually only speak Swedish to them. Really? Um, so, and my, yeah, I only speak Swedish to them. My wife only speaks English. So, um, they know everything. Uh, like, even since before they could speak, I'd be like, hey, go grab the blue ball, not the red one, grab the red stick or whatever, right? Like, and they would come back. They know. So, you know, and, you know, they FaceTime all the time with their, with their cousins or grandparents. And, uh, so it was actually really fun this summer. We went. You know, we, we were there for a month in Sweden this time, and, and like it really clicked. Like they started speaking Swedish, and even every now since we came back, like you know, a little thing. You know, in the U.S. they were calling me daddy, and then all of a sudden now they're calling me papa, which is the same, but Swedish, right? And my son, you know, uh, is five, and you know now it's like full sentences in Sweden, Swedish. 
so it's really cool to see, you know, how fast they pick it up, you know, by being there for a month. Like, I mean, if we were there a little longer, I mean, it's, uh, it's really cool. I think it's really good for them too, like uh, their brains to use that to, to learn two languages and use their brain that way. And, uh, but uh, I mean, obviously when we live here, they speak more English because we live here, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's cool. It's fun. What would, what so would you, I feel like they're connected. What, they have what a good you, connection. What would you say for anyone that is uh, looking at maybe doing some, some summer traveling and going, uh, going to <clears throat> native Sweden, what are, what are some cities uh, that people need to hit up? What are some of the best kept secrets that, that need to be out there? I mean, Stockholm, I mean, all of Sweden, there's so many places, right? Like, uh, so I do my camp in Sweden every year and I, and I, you know, I do a camp here where I bring Swedish players here and I do, I bring North American players to Sweden. And, uh, so this summer, you know, cause of COVID for a couple of years, some, you know, families weren't able to travel and this summer they did. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of people had never, didn't know much about Sweden, you know, so they came to the camp, they're like, they loved it. And then, but, you know, they, they stayed a couple extra days and, you know, they had no expectation of Sweden. They were like, wow. They're like, wow, Sweden is amazing. Sweden is 10 for 10. Like uh, it's so beautiful in the summer. I mean, winter's nice, but winter's winter, you know, it can be pretty, but uh, you know, cause I know when the lightning went and played their stadium series uh, in Sweden, it was November. And, you know, uh, I went, there uh then too and then the people that came they're like wow it's beautiful i'm like well if you go in the summer it's it's amazing it's so pretty like stockholm is pretty much a bunch of islands connected uh, you know half of it's the ocean and then there's a huge inland lake that's like freshwater uh i mean you have down in gothenburg is beautiful down south up north there's so many beautiful places but stockholm stockholm is uh is a really nice place to visit um, and, you know, it has so much history. Like you grow up there, you read it in school, you walk by the castle, you walk by the old town. Like you don't think about it because you walk by it every day. And when you have people come visit, so we took them around, did a bunch of tours, took them out to dinner, did a bunch of fun stuff. And and then you're like, wow, this is so cool. Like, you know, like they have, I mean, it goes back to the Vikings, you know, like Stockholm bloodbath, like some Danish king came in and tried to take over invited everybody to like a you know said it was like a noble party or something and then just started chopping people's heads off and like you know it's like a crazy you know netflix show or something but uh you know it has so much history and then you know you have the castles and all the history with that like it's cool when you're there so you know everybody had a great time there and then it's nice to get away from the florida heat a little bit too you know i mean uh it's a 70 mid 70s no humidity maybe 80. I mean, it's great. Cool evenings. So yeah, uh, I'm, no, I'm, uh, Sweden is definitely a place to go. If you haven't been, I'm curious with all of your, your skills and player development work uh, in, in this past June's draft, the Tampa Bay lightning drafted Lucas Edmonds, who born to uh, in, in Canada to a Canadian father and a Swedish mother, but grew up for the most part in Sweden, played through the, the junior leagues and, and the lightning, as I said, drafted him in the third round this year as an overager uh, came back to North America this season for one year with the Kingston Frontenacs and the OHL. Have you ever crossed paths with him at all? No, I'm across paths with him. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I've seen a little bit good player. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, that's, uh, it's pretty cool to get the, uh, you know, the, the Swede, the European style, very skilled mixed with, uh, you know, the North American style, uh, you know, 
think with that that's where the whole game's going. Uh, you know, everybody, you have to have a lot of skill and you have to have a lot of be able to still play. You know, like you see playoff rolls around. Like uh, if you can't handle the you know the the tougher part of the game, being able to protect the puck or, or being physical, like uh, you see you see in the NHL sometimes guys that are you know top players during the regular season are kind of are invisible during the playoffs so you have to have that that game too and i think a lot of europeans come over they they they've gotten a lot of tougher and i think they you know acclimate well to that game so uh you know it's fun to see you know like uh some guys that i play with that have their sons uh you know get drafted here in the last couple of years it's fun to see them move up through sweden and then make their way over so yeah i know the uh i know the world junior championship that was intended for for this past winter uh and got delayed it's finally getting underway this week uh how how much of those games are you keeping an eye on and do you think the swedes have a chance to get their first gold since 2012 uh yeah i'm gonna try to keep my eye on it uh i love watching that it's really fun you know to see all these young super talented players like the future future uh you know stars uh I hope so. You know, I think uh, Sweden, you know, they've had a great team for, you know, so many years and they come close and then, uh, you know, uh, you know, but it's so competitive, right? And it's just such a short tournament. You have to click, you have to, you know, as things go your way, you know, like Canada, US, Russia, all those teams are, you know, every, even the smaller nations now are getting so good. I was talking to somebody about it yesterday, you know, like 10 years ago, like Switzerland, Austria, or Denmark, whatever team, Germany, like they weren't any good. Now all those teams are good. Like, I mean, they, everybody, the hockey's growing so much in those countries as well. So good players come from everywhere. Um, I mean, so it'd be fun to watch. Definitely, uh, definitely rooting for Sweden in this one. I think, I think Canada is missing a couple of players too that uh, opted out to get ready for their NHL camps instead of joining. So I think uh, hopefully that gives Sweden a little advantage. Well, uh, best of luck to to you going forward with the the new endeavor. Uh, of course, Nick, uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, but uh, in any case, uh, before we let you go, any uh, final thoughts, any shout outs you want to give to any family or, or friends who may be listening? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, uh, just uh, I don't know, just say hi to all everybody in Orlando that I know they're listening, and uh, you know, somebody else I know. How's everybody doing? I uh, know, but. Um, Try to make it over. We made it over to uh, a Solar Bears game. Uh, no, it was uh, last year. We went to one of your playoff games. You were playing Everblades down in, at Hertz Arena. So it was fun to see, you know, and it was uh, actually an, a player on the team that I used to play with. Uh, Olexi, Steve, uh, played with him uh, a while back. So it was fun to see some guys. Then, uh, you know, I obviously knew Drake, uh, the coach, a little bit. So, um it was fun to see see a game again, and uh, you know, but I will try to make it over this year too to a game. Well, we certainly would love to have you, uh, Nick. Appreciate your time. Uh, as we said, best of luck, and thanks for uh, appearing on. Until uh, next time, though, uh, we appreciate you. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Big thanks to Nicholas Lindbergh for hopping on and catching up with us. Uh, and as he said, he's a guy that pops in every now and then. You might see him at the Solar Bears game down at Amway Center. Maybe sometimes you see him down at Hertz Arena. But he's a guy that clearly has established some roots in Florida and has settled into a nice lifestyle with his family. 
and certainly is looking out for the overall growth of hockey within the state. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's episode of the Bear Tracks podcast presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. Stay on top of all the latest news and updates by visiting our website at orlandosolarbearshockey.com. Follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter at Orlando Hockey, and on Instagram and TikTok at Solar Bears Hockey. And maybe join us this weekend for our open house down at the Advent Health Rink at Amway Center. We're there from 8 in the morning till the mid-afternoon. It's going to be a fun one, a chance to look at some uh, upcoming available seats for the season as well as our equipment and merchandise sale. And you can watch the Adult Street Hockey Tournament that'll be taking place on the Amway Center floor. That'll do it for this week's episode. I'm Jesse Liebman. As always, we'll catch you in a few weeks with another episode here of Bear Tracks.